This podcast is gold. Basketball gold. You're tuned into the best Cleveland Cavaliers podcast in all the land. Basketball gold. Hosted by Mike Fratello and Jeff Phelps. Brought to you by Betway.com. Betway for the sport of it. Gambling problem? 1-800-GAMBLING. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Basketball Gold with Fratello and Phelps. He's Mike Fratello, NBA color analyst with the Clippers and the Cavaliers and former head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies and the Cavaliers and the Atlanta Hawks working backwards. I'm Jeff Phelps from 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. Good to have everybody with us. Mike, last podcast. Let's get this out of the way right away. We did a whole segment on Fratello wine, the Fratello Vineyards based out of New Jersey. It's a long story. Go listen to the other podcast, but it was a hit. I know people loved it. And, and you have a visual for us with a bottle of Fratello wine. This is what the wine mule brought in. <laughs> All the cases showed up. Okay. So we put a little split screen on the label this year with the hoop and the court. Nice. And we give a little description in the back. And very, very limited, as you know, to only 200 and something bottles. So, Jeff, I'm going to let you put the price on them uh, this year. I think and, it's unlimited, Mike. I You could take that sky high, and I think it would sell. Well, only 200 and something bottles. Imagine what that's, that's going to go see, for. Put those in ice or put those somewhere in a cellar for 50 years, then we really have something. Oh. I like that a lot. <laughs> I hope the house is still up then. <laughs> As we sit here today, Mike, we are speaking after the Cavaliers finished a very intriguing two-game homestand against Golden State in Milwaukee. They're getting ready to start a three-game road trip, New York on Tuesday, Houston Thursday, Oklahoma City on Friday. Interesting couple of things here in their, their numbers. First of all, Cavs are 29-19. and 19. Oddly enough, the exact same record they had after 48 games last year, 29-19. and 19. They're 20 and five at home, best in the Eastern Conference, and their road issues continue. They're nine and 14 overall on the road, which is down a bit in, in the Eastern Conference. Does one of those sets of numbers surprise you any more than the others? Same record as last year after 48 games, great home record, 20 and five, or nine and 14 on the road, Mike? I'll probably ask. Is that about the time last year with that record, identical record, that Rubio went down? Was it approximately in that, that time period? It is. It, it's in that vicinity, yes. Because that's, you know, part of the loss uh, that they had such a good thing going. And and Rubio was, was so good playing for them. They had developed their rotation and they kind of knew what their responsibilities were and when they were coming in and who was playing with whom. Uh, and everything was kind of cooking. City was getting excited, saying like, hey, we may have a pretty good team here. Mm -hmm. We've got a lot of young players, and then when Rubio went down, it wasn't quite the same. Uh, another couple injuries, uh, nicks here and there, and that's what happens, and the, the schedule catches up with you and uh, the wear and tear of the schedule. But here we are now with a little bit different cast than we had a year ago, and we're just getting Rubio back now. Uh, so maybe we shouldn't be surprised at any of the numbers because the road is supposed to be harder to win than the home games are. 
You're supposed to try and take care of business in your own building, depending on what their goal was that they set for themselves on home games this year. They could be right on course uh, to achieving that. Uh, can they win 30 games at home this year? Something like that. Right. So I'll say the numbers may be in line with how good we thought this team could be this year. Ricky went out right after Christmas last year, Mike, and he came back five games ago. So it was after 34 games last year. So clearly, you know, he had a huge impact early. And then we saw what happened to the Cavs late as they had a little bit of a slide late. But right now, sitting at 29 and 19, let's go over what happened. And right, well, before we get to the, the little homestand, in the NBA right now, on top in the Eastern Conference, it's Boston. Then, Mike, there's a little separation. And, you know, it was Boston, and then Philly was right there, and Milwaukee right there, and within two games or so. And right now, Philadelphia is four and a half games back in second place. And then Milwaukee's at five and a half. Brooklyn's at five and a half. The Cavs are at six and a half. So teams two through five right now in the Eastern Conference are separated by just two games. Are the Cavs a team that you think can make a move up or are they kind of settling in right where that you think they will be Mike right around fourth, fifth, sixth in that range? Or do you think a couple of teams behind them might be able to push them down? I I'd have to guess. My thought is they're kind of right in their sweet spot right now, maybe up a spot, maybe two, if it goes real well, I don't really see them dropping any further than six. And that's only if somebody gets hot. Well, let's be fair to Philadelphia. Um, Philadelphia was missing uh, Maxi for a large number of games. Maxi yep. just came back last week, and he's been a a great addition to that team. And then they went on a five game road trip and won all five games on the road trip. So you can see the value of Maxi to that team. If we're naming, if we're picking the top, and I'm going to leave the Cavs out for a second. If we're leaving picking the top four teams in the Eastern Conference. Boston certainly would be one. Milwaukee would be one. Philadelphia would be one. And if they were healthy, would not Brooklyn be one of the top four teams? Absolutely. Now take the Cavs and let's envision them replacing one of those four teams that I just mentioned. And I think the whole thing is going to be dictated by the injury factor. Who gets guys back quicker? Who doesn't lose any major pieces to injuries yeah. down the back stretch? Otherwise, the Cavs are one of five teams, in my mind, fighting for four home court, court spots as you're in the back part of the season. I, I would agree. I, I think I think they have a chance to get that home court in the first round. And you're, I think you're right on the money, Mike. If a team above them right now gets dinged up, that's a great opportunity for the Cavs. If the Cavs get dinged up, you could see them dropping down a little bit. But I, at 29 and 19, I think they're in pretty good shape, especially as, as tight as things are compacted right now. Let's go back to that homestand. Golden State comes to town. Steve Kerr, who you had, decides he needs to sit his starters. They had played the night before. It was a, a tough game for them. So there's no Curry. There's no Draymond. They sit four of their five starters and then they come out and beat the Cavaliers. Is it, is it too little to say stuff like that happens, Mike, in the NBA? Jordan Poole was great in that game. 
is there anything you do other than say, okay, that's the way it goes. That, that happens. You get mad, you get frustrated. JB Bickerstaff wasn't pleased. It happens during the course of the season in the NBA that a team that shouldn't win games comes in and plays sensational. Main guys being out, you know the main guys were pumping up the guys that were replacing him, uh, the people that were stepping up, playing more minutes at night. The main guys were their biggest cheerleaders in the locker room before the game. Let's see what you've got. Let's see if you can go out there and carry this for us. I think the second unit guys understand the mentality nowadays is uh, load management. When it gets to be too many minutes, you play the night before, you travel. Maybe it's time for the stars. Think about how many games uh, Curry has played over the past eight, nine, ten seasons. No kidding. So talking about load manager is a whole nother show because I'll go on forever and ever about should it be or should it not be, but it happens nowadays. It's the norm. It's what it's what's expected. Meanwhile, Cleveland's sitting there saying, well, Golden State played last night, and they're going to bench all these guys. So we should get a win at home because we're pretty good at home. Well, the other team comes in, shoots the lights out. You have a couple guys who struggle. Maybe you're missing a piece, okay, or two. Yeah. And you start to fall behind. They gain more confidence. And now that noose gets a little bit tighter around your neck as you're coming down the stretch. There are third and fourth quarters. They're not going away. You didn't make the comeback that you thought you were going to make and bury them. And as a result, now you're fighting for your life in that last six, eight-minute period. doesn't always work out where you come back and win, like the storybook says. And that's what they endured. And and, uh, I know JB was not happy uh, because – the Cavs allowed them to hang in there early on and get their confidence up instead of going in and, and trying to crush them early on and say, look, you made people out and you're not good enough to beat us when we're, we're at our best. Didn't happen that way. And, and he has to let them know that's not acceptable. They did not play up to the norm and the standards that they have set. This is Basketball Gold with Fratello and Phelps. He's Mike Fratello. I'm Jeff Phelps. Cavaliers just had back-to-back home games. The Golden State Warriors lost that one, and people are still trying to figure it out. Mike gave a great explanation as to what happens when you're playing a team that didn't have four of its starters and it didn't go well for the Cavs. The next night, they bounce back against the Milwaukee Bucks. Mike, get a win. Giannis didn't play in that game for Milwaukee. But we saw something in that game that I think Cav fans have been wanting to see this season, and you haven't seen it all season really. And that was Evan Mobley having the type of game that I think everybody has thought, all right, this, this is what we would love to see Evan Mobley become. And I'll I'll go over the numbers real quick against the bucks, 38 points, career high, nine rebounds, three assists. He made 19 field goals. So 19 times two is 38. He was over two on threes. He didn't make a free throw in the game, took only one. We'll get into that in a second. So a career-high 19 made field goals on a career-high 27 field goal attempts, Mike. And he obliterated his previous career-high. It was 30 against the Clippers last March. He had 38 against Milwaukee. And that's the type of game that has Cav fans absolutely drooling at the idea of what this young guy can become. Remember, he's only 21 years old. 
And I was so excited for Evan and the team when I saw the final numbers at the end of the night, you know, before, before I turn in, no matter where I am, which time zone I'm in. I <laughs> like to go through the scores and what's happened when I see one game that might be interesting to me or if I'm following a team in particular, maybe the team's coming up on my schedule. I want to see who's doing what with that team. Then I hit the stats button and go through the stats in those games. And when I saw his numbers, I was really excited for, for Mobley because I think early in the season, he looked almost as if he was uh, taking a step back because we brought in a new guy named Donovan Mitchell, who scores a lot of points. Yep. And he, along with Garland in the backcourt, they're going to take a lot of shots. And I don't want to ruin things and upset the cart by me trying to get too many shots up and they're not getting their shots. So I'll be that young guy that does my job of rebounding, playing defense, blocking shots, and then getting the bucket every so often when it, it's my turn. Well, the other night when they saw, I think his teammates realized he was on one of those rolls that night. He was feeling good and they wanted to stay on that role by continually feeding him the basketball. And he worked hard, obviously, uh, to get the shots that he got. You, know, you get offensive rebounds and put them back up and in. That's hard work on your part. Yeah. So Moby did a heck of a job. They did a great job recognizing it. And I would bet his teammates were the happiest people in the world besides uh, Mobley because they love this young man and they were waiting for one of these bust out games. And here it is. Can we expect that every night? No, you can't expect that every night because then there's no shots for the other guys who are <laughs> primary scorers on the team. Yeah. But I, I still think we're looking for who's the third, third guy of the group that will get the third most shots most of the nights. You know that between Darius and Donovan, they're going to get X number of shots each a night. They'll get fouled and go to the free throw line. But normally with great teams, you have three people where the shot distribution is. Like a magic worthy Kareem, you can kind of figure mm -hmm. that out. That they're going to get the majority of the shots. Well, for the Cavaliers right now, you've got two dynamic guards in the backcourt. Who will be that next guy that each night we'd expect him to have the third most field goal attempts? Some nights he'll have the most, other nights he'll be second most, but he'll be somewhere in the top three. Right now, Evan is taking 11 shots a game, Mike, and that's down one shot a game from last year. And it's kind of typical of all of his stats because his stats are really pretty much even Steven with what he did last year, right around 15 points a game. His rebounding's up about a half a rebound. His shooting percentage is up. So that's a good thing, but he's taking one less shot a game. Donovan's taking 20 shots, Darius 16 and a half, and Evan's taking the 11, along with Karis LeVert taking 11 and Jared Allen taking nine a game. Is that, is that okay? And, and I'm wondering about the third score too. And I, you know, you don't, Donovan Mitchell has been great. How, how do you ask Donovan Mitchell not to do what he's been doing? And, you know, I've heard people say, okay, well, Darius Garland needs to become a pass first point guard and not worry about his scoring. And when I've heard that, I've thought, okay, except for one thing, Darius is fifth in the NBA in assists right now at over eight assists per game. So he's doing a, a fine job of passing the ball around. How do you make that, all work a little bit maybe more cohesively, Mike, or does it not even need to 
have anybody coaching or other players interfere with it. And that's just something that's going to come naturally where maybe these roles continue to evolve a little bit. I'll ask you, would you be happy if we duplicated our record in the second half of the season where we are right now? Take it. I would be. And if you take it and just carry it out percentage wise, if we won the same number of games, uh, because we're, we're past obviously the 41 game mark, would you be happy if they finished, you know, here they are 10 games over 500. Yeah. If they proportionately in the back half, would you be as happy? And so that's what, you know, dealing with that chemistry, the mix, the combination of players, that's what it's all about. The coaches say I'm trying to figure out, you know, do we have the right thing for us? Who's that fifth starter? I mean, I think Allen should start every night. I think yeah. what we should start every night. I think Garland, Donovan Mitchell, those four guys should start every night, in my opinion. Now, who's yeah, the and play player? heavy minutes, right? Yeah. Well, they're gonna if you yeah. want to win a lot of games. But now, we could we could have fans call in, and we could take calls, and we probably have five different names that people would bring up for who should be starting in that fifth spot. That's what makes this team a little bit interesting. Uh, that you just don't know each night out, you know what's going on, and. Uh, there was a trade that took place today in the NBA where uh, the Lakers went to Washington, uh, took a guy who hasn't played, right, Jeff, very much at all. Because yeah, Rui Hachimura and didn't play much at all last year. He just came well, off a 30-point game, though. Number nine pick in the draft when he came out. Mm-hmm. And here's a guy uh, full of frustration. Uh, and it's like one of those things sometimes when you have somebody in front of you. You know, Porzingis is now on that team. And Kuzma is playing the best basketball he's ever played in the NBA for that team. So Hachimura is there, and I'm sure he's saying to himself, gosh, I wonder if I get a chance, you know, to really show what I can do. Well, the Lakers are willing to give up none, I think three second-round picks, to take a look at him and try. And this may be the opportunity they want. But the point is that the Lakers knew they needed help. And they did something that they could do without damaging the core of that team to go out and get this guy who they hope can help them down the back stretch in a number of different ways. So um, who it is that the, you know, the Cavs will wind up going to as the fifth starter on a regular basis. I'm not sure it doesn't change every third game, every fourth game, JB may feel it's time to give somebody else a shot. Do you like that, Mike? You know, because, Dean Wade got a look early and then Dean was out. Dean's now back, you know, and that you can kind of duplicate the big lineup that you had last year with Lowry Markin in a little bit. If Dean is able to go and is able to get back and contribute, you could go Isaac Okoro, who's been shooting the ball a little bit better lately from the outside. You could go Karis Levert, but that takes something away from your bench there. Um, Jetty Osman, do you think, would you be okay? Stevens. Don't leave Stevens out. Yeah. Lamar Stevens has been terrific. You know, he's I, I like Lamar. I, I, I love the way that he plays the game as a coach. Are you OK with, hey, tonight this we like this matchup a little better. We're going to go this way. Or do you prefer to have the five guys? Locked I've in. always liked ha- having the five guys, but I'm mm-hmm. not sure I had the luxury of having a roster this deep and without someone jumping out. That's clearly the the starting small fold for this team. Uh, so. That's your job as a coach to adjust. And, you know, if you make good decisions most of the nights, 
along with the other four guys, you should have some success with this team. Uh, you have guys that add so much to the second unit, a Levert coming in, a Kevin Love coming in with the second unit, uh, Jetty Osmond, you know, think back to first 15, 20 games of the year. Mm -hmm. I thought Jetty was playing terrific basketball coming off the bench, high energy flying down the floor. How many, I can visualize outlets to him where he's over the half court line. He catches the outlet pass and takes it a couple dribbles and he's at the rim laying it up. That's the kind of energy JB was looking for. So maybe this is just a team right now in the off season, who knows what's going to happen? You know, they, they may get a draft pick from somewhere for somebody that they pick and find their small forward there through free agency. You may wind up with a small forward that you like, you never know, but don't worry about next year and the year after that until we get done with this season. Let's try and finish this season as best we can. This is Basketball Gold with Fratello and Phelps. My partner is Mike Fratello, former NBA head coach, now color analyst with the Los Angeles Clippers and the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm Jeff Phelps from 92 through the fan in Cleveland. We had just talked about the Cavs losing to Golden State, Mike, when Steve Kerr, head coach of the Warriors, decided, hey, I, I'm managing my minutes. I'm, I'm coaching long haul here. And he sat four players uh, against the Cavaliers and the Warriors ended up winning that game. So, you know, anybody who was like, oh, that's terrible, blah, blah, blah. He won the game. So Steve's point was perfectly proved right there at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Before the game, he talked about what he was doing, why he was doing it. And he said, personally, I would love to see the game, the league, the season shortened from 82 games and he threw out the number 72 games. So take 10 games off the NBA season. I don't know why 82 is the locked-in number, Mike. It works out, you know, perfectly from and has for years with you know rotating, although with, with expansion, it changed it a little bit. First of all, 10 games off the NBA season. You like that idea? Is 82 too I many? I don't personally. Uh I, I remember when you think and talk you have to always add the business side to the okay the basketball side of it and uh, if you enjoy the salaries that players are getting right now mm. and that's another show yeah that is if you enjoy that you have to find where that revenue is going to come from and the revenue is going to come from number one tv and you have to give them enough games to put on and hopefully enough good games to put on so people yeah. stay tuned uh, for a longer period of time. Uh, and that, along with generating revenues in so many other ways, attendance, sales, parking, uh, you know, refreshments at the games, all that stuff, but, you know, T-shirt sales, all, all that. But where where is the NBA supposed to get the money to pay these salaries, the owners, unless they have enough games uh, to sell to TV? And the 10 oh. games that Steve talked about, you know, from 82 to 72, that's 12%. It's it's cutting 12% of the games out of the schedule. So that's a lot of money. It certainly is. I, I'm, I was thinking before uh, when you said about load management, I wonder how an owner or general manager or president of a team would feel if the coach called that day and said, you know, I'm dragging a little bit. I think I need load management. <laughs> So I'm going to skip tonight's game. And, How would that have gone over with Ted Turner, Mike? 
What? Ted, Ted might have been one to say, yeah, come and sit with me. But, uh, but I think most of the people would be, uh, they'd look at you and say, what'd you just say? And what are you talking about? And you just say, well, I'm going to let one of my assistants take over. I'll, let me think about it for a while, see which one of us is the best one to take over the game yeah. that night. It, it just doesn't sound right. And no, so, not at all. So to, to take players and sit them uh, when fans who have worked hard to earn the money to come to a game and they show up that night and the darling of the NBA, Steph Curry, isn't there. Yeah. It, it's, it's heartbreaking to some of the children that, you know, went to that game to see Steph Curry play in purpose. And, you know, I'm not trying to pick on Steph. I'm just trying to say he's, he's such a great person uh, and, so many young kids fall in love with him because they look at him and say, not that much bigger than me. You know, he's a little bit bigger than you think when you get up next to him. That's but true. Yeah. He, he's filled out now. He's so much stronger than he was when he first broke into the league. We forget how many years that he's played in the league now. And um, it's just something that's become like the thing to do for every team is load management. And somebody uh, I heard today was, attributing all this to Popovich in San Antonio when he started sitting Tim Duncan, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And um, the point that they were trying to make was don't sit them so that people can't see them, reduce their minutes in the game. Mm. But if they're healthy and can play, start them that night if they're starters and play them, play them a five-minute shot, play them the next five-minute shot in the second quarter, Third quarter, fourth, they get 20 minutes to the night instead of 32 or 38. And the people that have paid their money and came to see them, I'm just throwing out things that I hear because I hear so many of these in, in the different cities that I'm in. Or if you listen to NBA radio, you get the callers who, it seems to me a lot of them do nothing all day other than think of what they can say on NBA radio, <laughs> what the next question can be. But, you know, that's, that's a very, very difficult point. And when negotiation come up with the next player association contract. Let me throw one at you. All right. How would you, how would you vote? And, and I didn't say what you are. I didn't say if you're a player or a front office person, okay. how would you vote if the proposal came? We'll leave the monies where they are. And we'll, you know, the monies won't drop dramatically or whatever, but we'd like to put this rule in you only get paid 182nd of your salary if you show up and play in the game. I think you'd have to be active, you know, because then the coach is, the coach is in a spot where, well, if I don't play him, he doesn't get paid. So you'd, I think you'd have to make it, are you on the active roster? And Mike, that would go over like a, you know what, in church, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you I, what, that it would really be interesting. Think about it. That you'd have to work to get paid. Yeah. Well. Now, you know, like if the coach doesn't put you in the game, but you're ready to go and you're in uniform, well, you, that's the coach's decision. Right. Right. But rather than coming out in street clothes and sitting on the bench in street clothes, no, you're in union. If he says you're starting tonight, you start. If he yeah. has to reduce your minutes, that's the yeah. coach's decision. Reduce the minutes. However. If you decide I'm gonna be in my street clothes tonight, that's fine. I understand. You don't. You're tired. You're exhausted. Your legs are feeling bad. You got something that's sore. 
you just don't get paid one any second of your salary tonight. That's a, I, w- I was looking at some stats the other day, just out of curiosity sake, because we're, you know, we'd be talking about some minutes and we have talked about that in the past. I think LeBron has played like 39 minutes a game throughout his career, but there have been times when he hasn't played, you know, a, a, a ton of games. There'd be somewhere he would sit out. And I, I think we're seeing more of that where, and it's exactly what you're talking about, Mike, where, all right, you might end up playing 75 games in a season, 70 games in a season, but your workload in those games is the 38, 39 minutes. I I like your idea. Okay, every you're playing, but you're playing 32 minutes a night, 30 minutes a night. Do you think that would have the same impact that completely sitting out a game would have for these guys? If If sitting out gives them rest, would cutting back on their workload give them the same amount of rest? See, that would be... That would be the people that uh, the analytics people and the medical staffs that are tr- following and part of all these teams now. And they've, they've grown and grown both those areas. The, sure have. The analytics people, the people have something to do somewhere, you know, team doctors, if you want to call them, but they all specialize in different things. And that would be up to them to come up with the answers on that. Because right now they're dictating with so many teams who plays and who doesn't play. I, I know coaching staffs in the league that don't know who's playing that night until they come back. Let's say if the game is a, a 7.30 game. Yeah. Before they come back to the building at 5 or 5.30 at night, that's when they find out who's able wow. to go. Makes wow. it tough to game plan. Makes it tough to think about your rotations. And you're listening to someone else say, this is the car you can use tonight and you can't use this other car. Well, that's really hard. It's hard that way. Uh, they've got so much to say in certain organizations. I'm saying every organization, but in certain ones that are like that. Others, you know, the head coach talks with the medical staff and talks you know, with the general manager there. They talk things out. And then I'll, I'll use practice as an example. They say, you know, no practice tomorrow. And the coach says, no, we need practice. We're going to practice tomorrow. Hmm. Now, if you don't all, if you're not on the same page. Right. And you're not accepting of who's the head coach and who's doctor number four, okay, on the group of, of doctors that says, ah, we take off practice tomorrow. The coach feels you need practice. If you're going to keep doing that, then it's going to get to the point where owners need to accept losing. Hmm. Because the coach says, I can't have them executing the way they want. We can't execute our offense. We can't screen the right way. We can't run cuts the right way because we don't practice that enough. And our defense can't be what it could be, but we need to practice. It was done in years past. Yeah. And everybody Jeff, seemed to be I got okay. For you, you know what shocked me on the numbers thing? What? If I'm right, isn't the highest minutes per game either 37.7 or 38 point something minutes a game right, right in that area? Right now for a player? For a player in the NBA. Hold on, I'll look. Number one quickly. in minutes per game is... I remember guys averaging 42, 43 minutes a game. I think it's Luca. Let me double check right here. I Luca was second. It's was Pascal second. Siakam at 37.6, Luca at 37.5, and Jason Tatum at 37, Mike. Those are the top three. Oh, wait a minute. Who was the first guy? Uh, Pascal Siakam. Not, not a bad player. Maybe the best player on his team. Yeah. Who's Luka. the second guy? Luca. Best player on his team. Who's the third guy? Jason Tatum. 
not bad. Best player on his team. Yeah. Okay. So the coaches who have the best players are using them. And that's why the records uh, of these teams uh, who are playing those guys and have the stars are generally better than the other teams. And then the other stat that really got me was I think third or fourth in assists was 8.8 in the last day or two. And is there only one guy averaging 10 assists or more right now in the that NBA? That would be Tyrese Halliburton at 10.2. And Darius Garland is fifth at 8.1. There are only five guys, Mike, averaging more than 7.9 assists. Who's number two in the league if Halliburton's one at 10-something? Oh, you're not going to like this. Jokic, 9.9, the big man. <laughs> Think about that. One guy's averaging 10 or more assists. Yeah. And the center is the second best with 9.9. What happened to your league? <laughs> I don't know. I, we, need to, we need to look into this a little deeper. Wise <laughs> records like, like Lou Gehrig, you know, or like, like those kinds of records nowadays are, are good forever. <laughs> uh, the people just won't play enough to ever catch them. Isn't that true? I think it is true. Uh, more goodies coming up in the next basketball gold, sir. Enjoy your travels. We'll catch up to you soon. Appreciate it. Thank you. Buy that wine. Buy the Fratello wine. Go get it. it, It's limited. (laughs) Maybe you can contact Mike. He'll be in an NBA city near you soon. He's Mike Fratello. I'm Jeff Phelps, and this is basketball gold. This has been basketball gold brought to you by betway.com betway for the sport of it. Gambling problem? 1-800-GAMBLER. Yeah.